We're so grateful to be in a country that still allows us to gather. You know, I read today somewhere in my reading that a pastor from Canada is still in jail because he had the audacity of having church. So that's Canada, just to our north. Good job, Canadians, arresting your pastors for having church. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Um, we live in a country that still allows us to have to assemble without having to be in somebody's uh, musty basement. We can still be in a nice open air. We can have air conditioning. We can still have uh, coffee after service and all that. So we're just thankful for our country with all of its warts. We're thankful for our leadership in this nation. Um, so let's just begin, but we're going to pray for our nation today. So just join with me. We're just going to take a short time right now. We're just going to pray for our nation. Father, we thank you that there's nothing too hard for you. Father, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. That, Father, you spoke to darkness and said, light be, and it was. And you spoke to chaos and order came out of chaos. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are a God who's more than enough. You are Jehovah. You are Elohim, the God of creative power and might. So, Father, we, we lift up the authorities that are over us and our nation today from the, the national level right down to the local school boards. Father, state government, local government, city government, municipalities. Father, throughout this land, Father, we ask that you would raise up godly men and women to assume positions of leadership and to take positions of governance that will follow your laws, that will follow your ways and not the ways of, of people that are confused and what's right and what's up and what's down. Father, we ask that you would raise up godly men and women to assume positions of leadership that will teach godly principles, Judeo-Christian biblical principles in our schools, biblical principles in that we would abide by biblical principles in this nation once again, that we can truly again be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all as our founders stated. Father, we pray for our country. We pray, Father, that you would give grace and that your mercy would still flow toward our nation. Father, amidst the, the wash of innocent blood that is abortion across this land, Father, we, we repent as a nation for the shedding of innocent blood today of abortion. Father, we repent as a nation from that. And Father, we ask that you would remove this scourge from our country. That you would, Father, raise up people with courage that can stand up to the bloodlust that want innocent blood to be shed for their own sacrifice because they don't want to live in a way that's consistent with your values. On the altar of convenience, babies are being murdered. Father, we ask you to forgive us. Father, we ask that you would raise up and protect those in Texas with that, that abortion restriction law, that you would protect those people and protect those that are standing for life today. We pray for the Pregnancy Resource Center. We pray for right to life. We pray for all those that are standing up for the unborn today. We ask, Father, that you'd give them a, a will that is 
firm, that a backbone of steel and a face of flint, that they will not back off, that you will supply every need that they have, that, Father, that you will go before them and silence their enemies now, that, Father, no weapon formed against them can prosper. Father, those counselors that are on the, on the sidewalks outside those clinics, Father, that you'd give them supernatural protection and grace. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you hear our prayers, that you are the God of the possible. There is nothing impossible for you. Nothing's too hard for you. So we thank you, Father. We pray for the refugees in Afghanistan. Father, that you would put a hedge of protection around them. That, Father, that you will turn, make the eyes blind of those that are searching for them to try to kill them. That you'd blind the eyes of the Taliban. That you'd blind their eyes. Make them turn their guns on each other. Cause confusion and let them blow each other up if they want to blow somebody up. But, Father, protect even as you did throughout the Old Testament, it says that, you, that they turned on each other and killed each other. Father, let that confusion be in the Taliban, be in ISIS, be in Hezbollah, and be in all those terrorist organizations. Let confusion go to those places. And Father, that you would protect your people and the innocent people that are fleeing from these awful organizations and awful people. Father, we ask that you would continue to appear to Muslims all over the world. We thank you for, for people reporting all over the Muslim world that, that there's appearances of Christophanies of, of the Lord Jesus and angels appearing to them and showing them the way. We thank you, Father, that Muslims are coming to Christ by the thousands and tens of thousands. We thank you, Father, for the harvest. Father, today we thank you that in our land that people are coming to Christ by the thousands, that people are running to you. And Father, we thank you that in Pakistan, people are coming to Christ by the hundreds of thousands. In China, they're coming to Christ by the thousands. Father, all over this globe, you're drawing in the sickle for the harvest, and you're, and you're bringing people into your kingdom. Father, we thank you for the, the part that we can play in that. Father, we thank you Father, that you just lead us and guide us, Father, protection. And we thank you for supply for every need, for every person within the sound of this. Father, we thank you that you just give us vision, vision for kingdom. Not for our kingdom, but for your kingdom. And Father, for your kingdom come. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. Amen. I had to get that off my chest. Because we live in a, in a world today that is so clickbait. You all know what clickbait is, right? They, they put a headline out there that sounds ridiculous, so you click on it. But we live in a clickbait world. And in our world, it's so easy to get drawn into all these different distractions. I, always, I, I tend to say it like this. It's like the... The media's got this laser pointer, and we're all cats, and, and the media just goes like this and moves that laser pointer around, and we just run around and chase the laser pointer. Whatever the media says, we just chase that little red dot on the floor, and even when you catch the red dot, it doesn't help because there's nothing there, right? So, and that's, that's kind of what's going on in our culture today is that the media and, and the, the general culture is so fragmented and so toxic that you just can't even be part of it without 
without losing your, your peace. So we just got to kind of pull away and get into God's word and say, what does God have to say about these situations? You get, you get one person who yesterday said, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have a right to say anything about abortion. I'm like, okay, so you're a movie star. Big whoop. That's a dumb thing to say because that's a baby. That's a separate individual that is not part of your body. Yes, you're hosting it, but it's not part of your body, honey. It's just not. It's a baby. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. It's a baby. It's not fetal tissue. It's a baby. I've seen five of my own be born. Lost one, she's in heaven. But I've seen five of them be born. That's not fetal tissue. That's a baby. And when you take that baby and you terminate that pregnancy, which sounds so surgical, you're killing a child. I know that makes some of you upset maybe, and maybe you say, Who, how dare you say that? You're disturbing me. You ought to be disturbed. You need to be disturbed. This should disturb you to your core that in our nation, babies are being cut to pieces. I'm sorry, but that's what happens. And they're being murdered because it's inconvenient to have a child right now. Awful quiet in here. I understand. It's real. So what do we do? Do we get mad and start hurting people? Heavens no, never. We don't do that. We're just as bad as them if we do that. But we do need to pray like I prayed tonight, that godly people will assume places of leadership and governance, and they will pass laws that are righteous, and that we will truly, again, be a nation, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, even the unborn. How about some justice for the unborn? They don't get a voice. They're being forgotten because they don't have a voice. I didn't intend this to be a pro-life message, but that's what it's becoming. Sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. When you, like in worship today, that when we're singing that song, we sing about God creating the earth. He created the earth out of nothing. And many times we can, we can chase the little red laser pointer or we can chase the clickbait and we can get all distracted. We can get all worked up about whether a vaccine's mandated or whether you're going to take the jab or not take the jab or whether you got COVID or whether you don't have COVID, whether you got antibodies or whether you don't have antibodies, whether you have to wear a mask or whether you don't have to wear a mask. All those things are clickbait. They're all clickbait. And if you focus on those, you miss the real issue, and that is people are dying and going to hell every day. That's the real core issue. Because this life is temporary. At most, 100 years. My mother-in-law is 90. I met a guy in church last week. He was 95. I'm like, dude, you're the man. 95 still walking around, no cane, no walker. I'm like, man, you're my hero. 95. Wits all about him, sharp as a tack. I'm like, man, you are the man. 
His last name was DeWitt. If you're watching, you're the man. But that's 95 is, is a, it's that fast. It says that life is a vapor. It's just a vapor. It's like, it's like in the, on a cold December morning when it's 25 degrees and you go outside and you breathe and it goes out and you can see your breath and then it's gone. That's what life is. It's a vapor. It's like the mist that hovers over the water when I'm fishing early in the morning in the summer. You got that mist that's about three or four feet off the water and you can see it's so beautiful. But by about eight o'clock, it's all gone. That's what life is like. It's short. There's hardly anything to it. Although the only thing we have that's going to be eternal is that which we've done in obedience to Jesus Christ. It's, it, I learned this when I was, I, I, I knew it my whole life. We always said this, only one life will soon be passed, only once done for Christ will last. And from the time I was, that was always on our wall in our house and it was everywhere. And, and that was so true. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, so today, today, if you do something, if you obey the Lord and you, you share the gospel with someone and they accept Christ, or you share the gospel with somebody and it's just a, a seed, and eventually somewhere along the line, someone else, you know, waters that seed and eventually they come to Christ. You know what that is? That's eternal reward. That's obedience. Every act of obedience is eternal. God is a God that goes beyond the natural. He is way outside of time. He knows things before they're going to happen. It's like, think about it like this. You have a you ever seen the maze where they put the mouse inside a maze and he has to go around and try to figure his way out? Or you ever seen like a corn maze from an aerial view of a corn maze? And you can see people going through it and they don't know where to go. But from this perspective, you can see exactly, you can say, turn left, dummy, come on. Because you can see it from a different perspective. That's the way God is. God has a perspective on our life that sees the end from the beginning and he knows where all the potholes are and he knows where all the right, correct terms are and he knows where all the incorrect ones are. So that's why we need to be led by the Spirit so that no matter what we do, we don't follow the clickbait, we don't follow the little red marker, marker on the floor or that laser pointer, but rather we follow his Spirit whenever we need to do or wherever we need to go. we got to follow his Spirit because he is outside of time. give you a quick, quick example of how God is outside of time. Three, three months ago, my wife wakes me up at four in the morning. I don't think my wife's here tonight. I think she's caring for her mother, uh, her 90-year-old mother. But I don't think she's here. But if you're at home, hi, honey. I'm going to tell your story. Um, so at four in the morning, she wakes me up. And she says, honey. And I'm like, what? What? You know, she goes, I had a dream. I go, congratulations. And I rolled back over but she goes, no, 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 listen to me. I had a dream. I go, okay, do I, do I have to listen to it? Okay, what is it? She goes, and she, she says, I had a dream, and I was watching this girl, and she was kicking her refrigerator 
and saying not nice things to her refrigerator. I'm like, and that means what? So what? You got a girl kicking a refrigerator. She goes, no. And, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but she goes, that's, we got to do something about that. I go, what do you want to do? She goes, we have to buy him a refrigerator. I'm like, you woke me up to tell me you want me to spend money? Uh, okay. So whatever. So then we go back to sleep. Nothing happens. Two months later, we bump into those people. My wife walks up to the girl. We haven't seen him for a very long time. Walks up to her and says, oh my gosh, good to see you. Oh, I missed you so much. Blah, 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 blah. Do you need a refrigerator? And the girl says this, yes, we do. I kicked it this morning and I was yelling at the refrigerator this morning. Hold it, back up. My wife had that dream two and a half months earlier. But yet that morning, the morning that we met them was the morning that that had happened. How does that work? Do you think maybe God is outside of time and he could say, okay, I got to get you to do something here. So I'm going to show you something that's going to happen in the future. I'm going to give you a dream about it. I'm going to tell you what to do. And then when you meet them, you're going to go, boom. And that person just sent us a note back and they said, we so felt loved and known by God. How in the world could God know that I needed a refrigerator? See, that's like, it's not like, oh, you're so wonderful. No, it's not about that. It's like God knew that person's need, and we pray, and we always say, God, use us. God, show us what to do. Let us, help us show people that they're known and loved by God. That's always our prayer as our family. We're always like, help us show people that they're known and loved by God. And God gives my wife a dream. And then two months later, this all transpires and it's exactly like the dream. It's not deja vu. It's called God knows the end from the beginning. And that person felt loved by God, so loved by God in a tangible way because they were met and God knew their need and he met their need right there in the middle of it. There's, I had a dream this week. This week, I woke up. I woke up, I think it was Tuesday morning, and I woke up at four in the morning weeping, crying, like this, crying, boo-hoo. And I'm like, what am I crying about? And I remember the dream. It's about a missionary friend of mine who I haven't seen in a while. So I said to my assistant, I said, hey, look up the number. Let's get a hold of them today because I don't know what it's about, but we gotta, I'm, I had a dream about this guy, so I guess I better call him because I'm learning to, hey, if you have a dream about somebody, you should probably call them and find out what God wants to do, right? So I call, I call the first number, can't get through. Call the second number, can't get through. I got the wrong country code. It takes me a half an hour to figure out how to get through to this other country. Finally, I get through, and it's the office. It's his office. But with a time change, it's 6.30 p.m. There, where he is. He's not going to be in the office at 6.30 p.m., 
Second ring, it goes, because that's the way the phone rings in, in their country. It doesn't go ring, ring. It goes, and you're like, okay. First, this girl picks up. I say, hey, can I speak to so-and-so? She goes, yeah, he's right here. She hands him the phone. I'm like, huh? And he goes, who is this? I go, this is Bernie from Res Life, Granville. He goes, why are you calling? I would never be here at 6.30. I said, yeah, I know. I had a dream about you last night. And he goes, do you realize I was trying to go out to dinner, but they wouldn't let me go out to dinner and enter the restaurant because my daughter hasn't been vaccinated. So we had to go to KFC, and now we, we went back to the office, and we're just here with my daughter and her husband and her grandkids. And how would you know that we were here? I said, I didn't. I said, I had a dream. I explained the dream that I had about him, and he started to weep. And he said, we've been so struggling. I just, I, I think he sent me an email the next morning. He says, I can't remember the last time I felt so loved, and I felt like a Holy Ghost hug got me because you called me, and God woke you up to call and encourage me. See, that God lives outside of time. And I'm not telling you these things for any reason other than for you to say that you can live that kind of life. You can live that kind of life where, you, where God just uses you to bless other people. You don't have to buy them a refrigerator. You can just call them up and encourage them. You can call, call a person up that you haven't known for a while and realize that God is outside of time. He's outside of clickbait. He's outside of the little the flasher on the ground. He's outside of all the, 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 the stuff that's out there, all the distractions. And what's really important is that people know, that feel known and loved by God. That's, that's what's important, that they can know that God sees them that God loves them and that he knows them and that you're just the hands and feet of Jesus at that point in time. See, well, what you're talking about sounds impossible. Yeah, it is impossible for me to know any of that stuff, but it's not impossible for God because you remember, he's up here looking down at the maze called life. That's the best, the best example I can give you is that he is looking up here and he can see life from a whole different perspective. Because if you only see life from three feet in front of you, you're going to make a lot of bad turns. You've got to back away and get the perspective and get the heavenly perspective. You've got to get God's perspective on life. You've got to get God's perspective on our current situations in our lives. We've got to back up and kind of back away and get God's perspective on our situations, because otherwise we're going to be chasing our tails and running around in circles forever and just chasing that thing around and doing the clickbait thing and all that. So God is so outside of time, he's not the least bit concerned about any of this. Think about this. Four, it was almost 700 years before, I was actually almost 2,000 years, is about 1,900 years, before it happened, Isaiah 66 says, can a nation be born in a day? Can a nation be born 
in a day. There's all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament that, they were, that the Israelites were going to be scattered, and they were. They were scattered all over the world. They were to the four corners of the earth. There was nothing left of the nation of Israel. Zero. There was nothing left. There was Jewish descent people, but there was not a Jewish state. There was not a nation of Israel. For literally a couple thousand years, there was nothing. So much so that all the theologians from year 1000 on interpreted Scripture without Israel being, even being a factor. Martin Luther interpreted Scripture without Israel even being a factor. The, the King James Bible was written from a, from a perspective that Israel was not even a, a factor. And the, 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 most of the doctrines from the Western, for the Western church did not include Israel as even anything in the end of the, anything in the world. But at midnight on May 14, 1948, the provisional government of Israel proclaimed a new state of Israel. On the same date, the United States, the in person of President Truman, recognized the provisional Jewish government as the authority of the Jewish state. And that nation was born in a day. But God wrote that thousands of years earlier. See again? He's outside of time, and he sees way down there, even though they're way over here. He can see way over here at the same time. And he says, oh, by the way, can a nation be born in a day? And in 1948, it said, yep, I guess so. I guess a nation can be born in a day. And the nation was born in a day. See, what seems absolutely impossible in our lives is possible with God. I would say that the, the title to my message is uh, written all over billboards, all over Grand Rapids right now. It's written all over billboards. And I'll tell you what it is. It's impossible until it isn't. That's one of the Spectrum Health billboards all over the, all over the, the city right now. It's up 131. They're in both ways. They're all over the place. And it's advertising their health care. But it really is. It's impossible until it isn't. That's, we all think it's impossible. See, it was impossible that Lazarus lives until Jesus went and said, roll the stone away, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And then suddenly it became possible. It was impossible for that man at the pool of Bethesda to walk until Jesus said, get up and walk. Then it became possible. It was impossible for blind Bartimaeus to see until Jesus said, be it unto you according to, as you had believed. It was impossible for that woman with the issue of blood to go into public and to be healthy until she touched the hem of garment, the hem of Jesus' garment, and his healing virtue flowed into her, and then he looked and turned, and he said to her, be it unto you as you have believed. See, it's impossible until Jesus enters the scene, and then it becomes possible. Matthew 19, 26, it says, with, with man, this is impossible. With, with God, all things are possible. Luke 1, 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. He shall call his name Emmanuel. Sounds per, pretty impossible to me, but yet Mary conceived and brought forth a son, and his name was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. 
See, what's impossible is only impossible until it isn't impossible anymore. And that's when God comes on the scene. Jeremiah 32 says, Ah, Lord God, it's you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I want you all to walk out of here today to remember nothing is too hard for God. Whatever situation it is in your life, what you think on grows in your life. If all you think about is how bad you got it, what you're going to do, you're going to end up in the mully grubs and you're going to just feel sorry for yourself because you think about how bad you got it. But what you need to do is start thinking about how good God is, how big God is, how much God loves you, how much, what, Jesus, what price Jesus paid for you so that you could have a relationship with the Father. If you meditate on those things, then you won't feel sorry for yourself. You know, we all have the potential. I'll raise both of my hands. We all have the potential to feel sorry for ourselves because it ain't fair or things didn't go my way or this or that or maybe things are just awful. I get it. I'm sorry. But feeling sorry for yourself will only make it worse. What we've got to do is we've got to Literally, I, this, is, this is what God does to me when I'm feeling sorry for myself because sometimes I have a problem and I, have to feel, and I feel sorry for myself and I have to grab myself by the chin and go, okay, Bernie, stop it. Don't do it. Look myself in the mirror and say, stop feeling sorry for yourself. This is going nowhere, okay? Because you never get anywhere. You throw a pity party and nobody shows up, right? That's just what happens. So in Psalm, it says, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. This is how I perceive that scripture. It's God grabbing you gently by the chin, not harshly, but gently by the chin like this and say, lift up your head. Lift up your head. Look at me. He's the glory and the lifter of of your head. Psalms 116 says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. See, it's so easy to get downcast with all the bad news and all the craziness going on and all the stuff, but what we've got to do is we've got to say, to our own soul. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. He is the creator of the universe. With a word, a man that was lame walked because Jesus said so. Peter saw a different guy. So you say, well, that was Jesus. Well, this is Peter. Peter sees the guy at the gate, beautiful, and he says, silver and gold, I don't have much of that, but what I got, I give you, get up and walk. And the man got up and walked. He got up and walked, and it says he was leaping and jumping and praising God because he couldn't walk, and now he could. See, it was impossible until it wasn't. See, with God, all things are possible. So I just want to, if I could just inject hope into everybody tonight, say, no matter what it is, doesn't matter. There's hope. Let's just say this. You have a loved one 
and they're on their deathbed. You know what your hope is? Are they a believer? Your hope is this. Even, hey, we can't lose. I've lost my father, my mother, two of my brothers, a daughter, okay? I understand death and I understand loss. It's terrible. I get it, okay? So I'm not talking from a place of, of inexperience here. I've experienced a lot of grief. And I could say this about every single one of those. They're in heaven. They're in heaven. So how do you have hope when you have a loved one that's died or is dying or on the, in the place of transition between this life and the next? How do you have hope? You have hope by thinking about heaven. Start talking about heaven. Heaven's an awesome place. Let me talk to you about heaven for a minute. Heaven's got streets made of gold, but that's not even the good part. That's pavement, okay? Gold is just pavement in heaven, okay? That's, that's no big deal. It's got seas made of crystal. It, you're not bound by all gravity and all these other things. You can go in water, out of water. You can travel. You can walk through walls. You can do anything. You can walk on water. You can do whatever you need in heaven. You can fellowship, 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 and more fellowship. There's no mean people in heaven. There are no mean people in heaven because even if they were mean on earth and they repented, they won't be mean in heaven. Okay? So, even if they used to be mean, they won't be mean when they get there. There won't be any gossip. There won't be any sickness. There won't be any pain. There'll be no separation. There'll be no death, no crying. Think about it. Sounds like a pretty awesome place. Jesus is there and he lights up all of heaven with his radiance. There is no shadows because light comes from everywhere. I mean, some of this just blows your mind. You go, hold it. How can there not be shadows? It's because light comes from everywhere. And when light comes from everywhere, there are no shadows. In him, there is no variableness, nor shadows of turning. It's, a, it's an amazing place. It's so amazing that when the apostle Paul went there, he didn't want to come back. He said, I'm in a tough spot between the two. I need to stay here and be with you, but I'd rather depart and be with Christ. Now, here's the Apostle Paul. He's the evangelist of the world, and he said, I don't really want to be here anymore. I'll stay here for your sake, but I'd just soon go to heaven. So heaven is an incredible place. I've been in the room numerous times as people died. It's, a, it's an a holy, awesome, not awesome as in good, but just reverent place. I remember one instance where the, the mom was on her deathbed and she was just hanging on, laboring to breathe. And I, they asked me to come over and, and kind of help them give her permission to pass. And so I went over there and I talked to everybody. Y'all sat, everybody said their goodbyes and all that. And so I said to the, 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 the lady, I said, you're a good godly woman. Jesus is waiting for you. All your kids have said their goodbyes. You're free to go. And I said, I want each one of the kids to say, you're free to go, Mom. We're going to be fine. And every one of them, four of them, went, we're free, you're free to go, Mom. You're free to go, Mom. You're free to go, Mom. And when the last one said, you're free to go, Mom, we all had our eyes closed but I know two angels came and they carried that woman because we all just kind of went like this and nobody dared open their eyes. 
And it was just this holy, incredibly holy presence entered the room. And when we opened our eyes about three minutes later, she was quiet and there was no, there was no heartbeat. She was gone. And you know what happened? Angels came and carried her at the speed of light into the very presence of God. She was no longer gone from that body than she was present with the Lord. That's what the amazing thing. See, we serve a God of the impossible. What's the, what seems so final is not final. What seems so insurmountable, God goes, done. See, what's impossible for us is so very possible for God. So whatever it is you're dealing with, I want you to leave this place tonight. I want you to leave. If, if I could just infuse one thing in you today, I would say it's possible with God. It doesn't, all this other stuff doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is am I right with God? Are my family members right with God? Are, am I reaching out and, and bringing the love of Jesus around me? And all this other stuff that gets us all turned sideways and twisted up, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is are you right with God, your family right with God, and are you obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Because if you're doing that, nothing else matters. Then all hell can break loose and you'll be fine because you're obeying the Lord. So today, if you, if you know that you're right with God, that's awesome. That's a beautiful place to be. Be encouraged. But if today you say to me, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I'm ready to meet Jesus at the drop of a hat. Well, I can tell you this, you can be ready. All you need to do is call on the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, He whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those online, if you have never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, today is the day. If you have never made Jesus Lord of your life or if you've been away from God and you, you have been walking away from him for a period of time and you want to come back, and if that's you, just lift your hand up right here. If you're online, just hit that hand raised button and we'd love to pray with you. But if that's you in here, just go ahead and lift your hand up high. I want to see it and I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray with those here and online. If you join, if you join me in prayer right now, say, Heavenly Father, I, th I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you are a God of the impossible. I thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on that cross, and he died for me. I thank you, Father, that you have a plan for me. And today I humble myself, and I acknowledge that I've sinned. I've broken your laws. And I make Jesus Lord of my life and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and give me a brand new heart. I ask that you would write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I thank you, Father, that you love me, that you'll lead me and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lead me and guide me in everywhere I go. From this day forward, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.